Amen. Well, you know, my wife and I had quite the discussion this week. She said, What's, what, what are you preaching on this, this Sunday? And I said, I'm preaching on the principle of transcendence. And she said, what does that even mean? She goes, you know, when I hear that word transcendence, I just tune right out. I'm like, I don't even want to know what you're going to say when I hear that. And I said, you know, when I hear a word like that, my brain's different. I go, man, I want to know what he means by that. So I'm going to do a little poll. All right. Are you my brain or are you my wife's brain? So when you hear a new word like that, how many of you want to know what that word means? Let me see your hand. Okay, so that's my brain. That's good. When you hear a word like that, how many of you go, really? Thanks. All right, all right, there's my choir over there. Okay, how many are like my wife? So, can't just say what you mean. I mean, come on. How Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Come on, put them up there. All right, all right. So there's a few of those too, but I, I think I might have won this one, dear. I think I might have won, you know. Uh, I, I love to be able to, to, you know, say that, I was right, but I'm not 100% right. I can see from looking. And some of you are still looking and go, I don't even know what he's talking about. What's, what, what, what? <laughs> the principle of transcendence. It's the principle of keeping the first thing the first thing. First things first. Uh, of, of making sure that the most important thing is kept the most important thing. Amen? That's what that principle is. And I'll explain that as we get into it this morning. But... But uh, thank you for all those who are, are in my camp. Appreciate that. I'm one of those guys, when I hear a Greek word or something, I just love that stuff. I just want to know what that means. And some people, I just want to know what the implication of it is, right? They want to know the application. I'm, a, I'm the one who wants to know, what does that mean? And Amy's going, who cares? Just what, do, what does it mean to my life? What am I going to do? All right, you and my wife can get together, Amy, afterwards and, and you know, write a paper of how... Uh, abstract my crazy brain can be sometimes. But anyway, so pick up that brochure. If you weren't here in 2014, we want you to get familiarized because I don't want to go back. This will be the last message really where I touch on anything that's in that brochure. Uh, As we're going forward, there'll be maybe little snippets or whatever, but we're going to be talking about 12 principles of the kingdom, 12 principles of the kingdom. And uh, these are principles that you can apply in your life. It's going to be very practical. You can apply them in your life. You can apply them where you work. You can apply them where you serve. You can apply them where you volunteer. You can apply them in your family. You can apply them anywhere. And you don't even have to use the, the scriptural uh, references and concepts that are attached to it. And you're, and because the person may not, as soon as you might say it's in the Bible, they might go and tune out. But you don't even have to do that. You can still talk the principle without them even knowing it's from the word. How many know that's pretty cool? And, and these principles, when we build our society, our community, our families, our church on these principles, we literally are bringing the kingdom of heaven to this earth. That we are literally seizing a hold of God's heart, God's passion, God's intent, and we're releasing that everywhere that we go. And we have the power to shift environments. How many know that? A number of times we've had this experience. We'd have a group of us uh, after church or something. We're sitting in a restaurant and, and all of a sudden we start talking about the things of God and, and, and you can feel it shift in the restaurant. Even your waiter starts to lean in. We've had them pull up a chair and sit down beside us and, and I'll just get a chance to talk to them about what we're talking about because it impacts them. And they're like, what's going on here at this table? How many have ever had that experience? It can happen. All you got to do is be conscious that you 
carry the presence of the Lord with you. And that when you do, wherever you go, he goes there with you. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, last week, uh, we saw how every person is ultimately looking for three things, right? Identity, purpose, and power. Remember that? Identity, purpose, and power. And uh, we all are looking for a sense of identity. We need to know that we're loved. We need to know that we matter to someone. That, and our identity comes from that. And that's where it's supposed to come from. And it's not supposed to come from your work or your job. It's supposed to come from those that are closest to us in our life. Psychologists even have a term for it. They call it the looking glass self theory of life. How many of you ever heard of that? It means that our value, our understanding of ourself is built on what we believe those closest to, an, uh, to us in our life think about us. So if kids are raised in an environment where parents are always calling them stupid or calling them this or calling them that, they begin to develop a concept of themselves that is based on what those people that God has put in their life closest to them, what they believe those people think about them. Amen? That's how we're shaped. But if you tell your kids you can do anything, that God loves you, that mom and dad love you, and they're raised in that environment, then they grow up to believe I can do anything. Then I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Because our sense of value comes, our identity comes from what those closest to us believe about us. Well, as a Christian, that's the Lord. Our identity comes from him, from whose we are. We are a son, we're a daughter of the king, amen? Then our purpose, that comes from who we are. You know, I'm a, a father, I'm a pastor, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a, a, a missionary apostle, I'm, I'm you know, a, a brother, a sister, a spiritual father, uh, I'm, I, I'm even a part-time electrician. All of these things are about purpose, right? And we get our idea of who we are from our purpose. We shouldn't get uh, our identity from our purpose. You understand what I'm saying? So here's the beautiful thing about this, is that our purpose can change. Who I am can change, you know? I could, I could lose my voice and never be able to preach again. But whose I am, my identity never changes. I'm a beloved child of God. My purpose is going to make a bigger sh- big shift right there. And I'll have to find another way that God wants to use me in the kingdom, but my identity is still secure. So my life doesn't fall apart when I retire. My life doesn't fall apart when something shifts, when my health changes or anything, because my identity is in him. Amen? Hallelujah. And man, if you, if you don't get this, everything else I talk about is not going to make any sense to you at all. So we got to start with this. Amen. And then uh, the final part is power. And when I talk about power, I don't mean the excessive power, but all of us want power over our lives. We, you know, that's why we, we try to have power over what we eat, power over decisions we make through the day, or over our timelines. And you know how frustrating it is when it seems like life is dictating to you instead of you dictating to it? When your time isn't your own, have you ever felt those frustrations? It's because we all want somehow to have some semblance of power in our life, of empowerment in our life, right? And, and so that comes from making the right decisions and connections in life, right? We always say Desert Stream, it's about whose you are, who you are, and to whom you're aligned. So alignment is what gives you power. When we, one of the drives in us to, 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 to marry to, is to, to have a family, to have power over our future, over our, 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 the generations to come. We get, we get an incredible sense of importance 
and strength when we have family and we watch that family grow and have family. And, and there's nothing greater than I can tell you right now than having 12 grandkids. Hallelujah. You want to, you want to talk to a guy who feels powerful? I have 12 grandkids. There's no greater power on earth than that. Having 12 grandkids and all the grandparents in the place said, I know. And all those that, you know, don't have as many as me are slightly jealous. I know. But you have to deal with that. Take that to Jesus, you know, uh, have a talk with your kids, you know, uh, tell them to pull up their bootstraps that you need, you need more. You need to catch up to pastor Kevin, whatever you got to do. But there's such an empowerment in my spirit because I know that the legacy of Christ is going on to another generation and that it's going to fill the earth through 12 great and glorious grandchildren. Amen. Hallelujah. So now we get to the first principle of 12 that we're going to talk to this morning. That was just recap in last week. So here we go to number one. And it's that principle, as I said, of transcendence. It's the principle of first things first. Matthew 6, 33 is our passage today. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I'll say it again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So what is transcendence? It's the principle of discerning and living according to what is most important. It's about keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. About keeping the first thing, the first thing. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? That is what this principle is all about. And it's the foundation of all the kingdom principles. It's the principle of keeping the kingdom the most important thing. And, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ, it's so easy for us to get distracted and put other things first. I've seen entire church splits over things that don't mean a hill of beans in eternity. I'm serious. We had a, a couple leave our church in the first church we were in because, I, you're not even going to believe this, but uh, a guy had built on a side road whose backs of their properties were adjacent to our property. And we had, we had a huge, big field in behind our church that we weren't using for anything except to play sports and stuff on. And this guy had a, a, a business where he served uh, and he had big freezer units and he delivered ice to all the different um, businesses and stuff. You know, when you buy bags of ice, all that kind of stuff. So he did that. So he built a brand new warehouse and he built it too close to our property line. That's right, he did. And so one of the guys in the church board noticed that it seemed awful close. And so we got a survey done and sure enough, he was like literally six inches from our property line. He's supposed to be supposed to be something like eight or nine feet with a commercial business, right? So anyway, so we had, uh, we, we went to the city and said, you know what, come on guys, how did you give him a building permit when he's clearly not inside his property lines? This is on you. Well, this couple in the church left because we didn't make him tear the building down. There's a real kingdom principle for you. Yeah, grace just goes right out the window when it comes to property. We got to stand up for our rights. We got to make him take that building down. No, we, we don't have to make him take the building down. And instead, he, he apologized and he, he made some, gave some money to the church because now the land becomes his. And we redrew the property line and we got over it. Everybody say, get over it. Hello? 
more than just a good Don Henley song from the Eagles. It's get over it. And that's what we did. And, and it's, because, it's because God's grace and the message of the kingdom is more important than that chunk of land that we weren't even using, right? But they left the church over it. I've seen people leave the church over the color of the carpet. I've seen people leave the church because the music's too loud. I've seen people leave the church because the preacher's obnoxious. That's probably what's happened to Desert Stream here more often than not. Uh, but, you know, I, everything you can think of, everything you can think of. And how does that end up happening? It happens because we've, we've lost sight of the most important thing. When you don't keep the most important thing, the most important thing, all of these other things end up mattering when they shouldn't matter. Are you hearing me today? They were teasing me in the room before that I say, are you hearing me today a lot when I preach? So now, did you hear me, Mike? Good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so this principle requires us to decide what is the central theme of kingdom life and then to insist that we align our activities and our life according to the kingdom. That's what this principle is about. It is, uh, if you were looking up the dictionary, the, the, the definition we're looking at has been bumped down over the years. It's now the fourth definition, but it used to be the first. If you read the dictionary now, but what does transcendent mean? You're going to see exceeding usual limits. Oh, we could maybe use that one, but that's not really what we're talking about. Or extending or lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience. Or in Kantian philosophy, whatever that is, being beyond the limits of all possible experience and knowledge. Or being beyond comprehension. Or transcending the universe or material existence. But that's not the definition we're talking about. Old English definition is universally applicable or significant as in something that matters to everything else. It transcends every aspect of life. Do you, hear, do you get what I'm saying today? Notice that I caught myself. I didn't say you hear me. Obviously, this last definition is the one we're using as we talk about transcendence. We're talking about living our life according to the kingdom. We're talking about defining what is Jesus' message about the kingdom and living our life according to it. And recognizing that that message it impacts every aspect of my life. There's no area that it does not touch. There's no place that I reserve for the kingdom to not permeate. It, aspects, it affects every aspect of my life. And we need to discern that the message of the kingdom has to impact everything that I'm saying or doing or the decisions that I'm making. So we're not talking about something that's beyond limits or something that's unknowable or any of these other modern meditative definitions of the word. We're talking about understanding the kingdom as being the foundation of everything that I say and do. My principles, my values, my decisions are all built upon the first thing, which is first, which is the kingdom of God. And that brings us to the verse for this principle. But seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So transcendence is about, about putting those first things first. It's about keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. And according to our Lord and Savior, the most important thing is the kingdom. And that's what we've been called to put first. Jesus said our number one priority is to seek his kingdom. Now, 
Jesus establishes the kingdom as being more important, as we talked about last week, than water or food or clothing, right? Coming up to this verse in Matthew, uh, Jesus talks about, you know, how you're more important than those things. Doesn't God take care of those things? And it's interesting that God puts his, your significance, your value to him above food, water, and drink, and all that kind of stuff. And this verse is like the culmination of that whole conversation Jesus is having about what's important in life and what to seek. Does everybody get that? And so as he gets to the conclusion of it, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So we're going to break this verse down today, and we're going to understand what it means to have a kingdom mandate as the foundation for our life. We're going to talk about what does it mean for the kingdom to be what I build my entire life upon. How it affects the way I parent. How it affects the way I I do business. How it affects the way I do everything. It's on the kingdom. You know, a practical little example. We were, what's that store called now? Is it Peavy's? Used to be TSC. Do you remember that? So we're in there a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, they had these DeWalt. Uh, help me out, Dirk. Uh, no, sounds like no. Uh, I don't know. Think carryalls or whatever. You got a little compartment and put all your screws and all that kind of stuff in them. Yeah, organizer. There, see, I knew she knew the word. Yeah, uh, organizer. So they had those and they had them on sale. So, so I grabbed a couple of those and and just to make it easier to carry because I had some other stuff. I clipped them together and I walked up to the cash and the girl's about to scan. And I said, there are two of these here just so you know. So she says, okay. So she scans it. And in other words, I was saying only one sticker is revealed on the bottom. Scan it twice. I said, I have two of these here, right? She goes, okay. So we get out of the truck and oh man, they must've been really, really reduced because that seems like way less money than we should have had to spend. Then I get looking at the receipt. Oh, she only charged me for one. Now you have a choice to make at that moment. You can say, oh, God is just blessing me today. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Mm-hmm. He just put another $33 in my pocket. Hallelujah. Mm. Right? No. If, if, if honesty and integrity mean something to you, if it's a kingdom principle, it if permeates every aspect of your life. So I said, I'll just be a minute. I go back into the store and I said to the girl, um, I, and I brought the two of them. Remember I told you there's two of these stuck together? And she said, oh, I didn't understand what you meant. I said, yeah, evidently she goes, Thank you for bringing that back in. I would have been in so much trouble. See, kingdom, kingdom. And sometimes kingdom costs you another $33. But her making that mistake is not a gift from God. It's, it's actually a challenge from Holy Spirit to see what you're going to do. To see what you're made of. See whether a kingdom principle is a kingdom principle or not. Are you hearing me? And then some of you wonder why, oh God, I just need... I just need a financial breakthrough. I need $10,000 and blah, blah, blah. And then you wonder, why doesn't he give me the 10,000? Because you kept the 33 that wasn't yours. That's why. Hello? Doesn't he say in the Bible, if I can trust you with little things, hello, I can give you big things. You see how a kingdom works? All right. Making it got your attention yet? All right. Good. Okay. So let's unpack this verse. Matthew 6, 33. First word, everybody say, first word, you know, charades, you know, first word. Seek, seek, everybody say seek. 
He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek. The first we're going to break down is seek. What does that mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word zeteo. Zeteo. And it means to seek as related to uh, searching for something and actually finding it. Uh, it's uh, to strive for something, to look for something, to be focused on something. It doesn't mean seek in a passive sense, in the sense that, well, I'm just seeking enlightenment, and you're going up on a mountain, and you're just... That's not what the Greek word means. It means to, to actually actively focus your attention on going after this thing. That's what it means, to seek, to seek. It's interesting that Jesus used the word zeteo for seek in this passage rather than another Greek word, uh, which is paneo. And that means to hunger, thirst, like as a deer pants for the water, so my soul hungers after you. But that's not what he says here. He, he doesn't say to, to, to seek it in the sense that we're, we need it to, to, to hunger and thirst for it. No, no, he's saying seek it as going after it, as if you would hunt something down and track it down. This is what you're supposed to do with the kingdom of God. And so he's emphasizing for us that we are supposed to pursue the kingdom of God, pursue the kingdom of God, <clears throat> and not the needs of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God. So that second word, let's look at that one, first. So we got down what seek means. What does first mean in this, in this passage? Well, first is the Greek word, and there are many words for first or one in number one in, in the Greek language. But this one that he used is, called, is the word protos, all right? And it means priority within an order. It's the same word that's used to describe uh, an, an apostle. An apostle is a proton. It is the one that is first in order of going first, as Ken Gill likes to say. It's not about being first. It's about going first, right? And so it means first in order of sequence, first in order of series. And protos implies that it's first and there are other things that come after it. That's what the word means. So we're supposed to seek first the kingdom. So there's the implication in that word first that we go after this first, and then there'll be other things that will follow after. All right? Does everybody understand that? So that's what this is talking about. Jesus was the firstborn. It's the same word used there in that passage in Colossians. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. So that means that Jesus was the, the first and that you and I will be all the ones that will come after him. That in the same way Jesus rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead. In the same way Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, that he's the firstborn of all creation, we're all spiritual children who will come after him. He's first, we follow in sequence. Does everybody get what that word means? All right. We're making some good progress here. But now we're into the, the heart of the matter. As Wayne Levy likes to say, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. But we're in the heart of the matter here. Seek, zeteo, first, protos, now that word kingdom, kingdom. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the Greek word is basileus. And you know, it's in, in English, you'll hear uh, fortresses often called a, a basilica or, a, you know, a structure, a big mighty fortress. Well, that's based on this Greek word, right? And it, what it literally means, though, is it means ruler or king or kingdom or rulership or authority. It actually doesn't mean a place. Its first meaning is not a place. And we talked about the passage in scripture where the man went to get a, a kingdom and then he came back. He was going to get authority so that he could come back and rule over the people that were already in his jurisdiction. 
He needed the authority, the, the basileia, to be able to execute uh, authority and rulership in his area. That's what this word's talking about. And it's the same word that's translated from the Hebrew, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, mamlika, which means dominion. So it's authority. So when man was given dominion over the garden, it didn't mean that it was his to, you know, do with what he wanted to. You know, as in some, I see some Christians who don't care about the environment. And we should care about the environment more than anybody. Uh Uh-oh. Is he actually turning green on us? No, no, I'm not turning green on you. Because I still believe that the environment's there to serve me. I'm not there to serve it. Does everybody understand that? There's a difference. But, but I serve it by taking care of it. Hello? One of the things I hate is driving down the road and seeing somebody chuck a bottle out the window. Oh, oh. Can you not go home and put it in the recycling bin for crying out loud? Hello? That's not taking care of it. You know, we've been given an authority over it, but it's an authority that it's been placed under our care. It is under our dominion. It is to be subject to us. And that means also we're supposed to take care of it. Similar word would be used as parents. You're supposed to have authority in your home with your children. That doesn't mean you can neglect them, abuse them, uh, you know, take them for granted or anything else. It means that they're under your authority and under your care, under your dominion. Amen? Is everybody tracking with me? You're awful quiet here this morning. Okay. So Jesus is referring then to the governmental authority that you and I are to have in the kingdom. That the kingdom is about us having authority and dominion. And you know, we used to have so much more of that in our culture in the West than we, did, than we have, seem to have now. And a lot of that, I think, is because we abdicated that role. We gave it over to government. Government uh, brought in, for example, uh, universal health care. Why? Because a guy named Tommy Douglas was passionate that no person should ever go in this country untreated. And he was a son of a preacher. Loved the Lord. And so he, he brought forth in Parliament a plan to make sure that every person had health care because it was a kingdom principle for him. And so as a result, though, we end up as a government taking care of those needs, and then the church backs away, even though the church is the one that got it started in the first place. And there's so many areas of society that we've done that. We've just given it over to the government. And what ends up happening is when you just give it over, and I'm not saying it's wrong for the government to have it or to have health care or anything else. It's all good. But what I'm saying is we have to make sure that we as people keep the kingdom first, that we're still the ones that people see as being able to help them and direct them to whatever service or whatever need they have. In fact, we're as a city right now working on uh, a program called NeighborLink. And we hope to have it rolled out by uh, September of 2023. And NeighborLink is going to take, make, make the kingdom, the, the church in the city of Belleville, the hub for all, all kinds of different needs. And we can direct them to where they need to go. They'll call us first. Isn't that going to be exciting? And we'll be the one that does everything from, you know, helping the, the, the single mom who, who, you know, needs to know how do I, how do I, you know, 
uh, find uh, a daycare? How do I find help for this? How do I get this? How do I get that fixed in my house? Whatever. They call NeighborLink and NeighborLink resources them because in our churches, we have all kinds of resources. We just need to coordinate them. And it'll be about coordinating everything that's in every pew in every church in this city, putting it together and being able to meet the needs of people in our community. Isn't that awesome? Come on, that's good stuff, isn't it? Hallelujah. Really good stuff. And so you'll hear more about that over the next year as we roll that out. And I'm glad that Mark's been confessing that we are a volunteer-rich church because we're going to need lots of volunteers to help make that happen in our community. But I think it's, it's the will of God. Praise the Lord. So, next word, righteousness. And that's the word dikaios. And this is actually a legal term. It's not a religious word. And it speaks about, we, we tend to think when we hear the word righteous, we think purely, holy, right? You know, a person's righteous. They're a person that's upstanding and pure and holy. But that's not actually what this word uh, dikaios means. What it means is to be in proper alignment. So when that word is used in the New Testament, it's used about aligning yourself. So what this is actually saying is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, and to be in alignment with his design and his plan and his purpose for your life. It's about alignment for your assignment. You have to have alignment before you pick up your assignment. And if you try to do the assignment without alignment, you're going to get yourself defeated. You need alignment. You need to be in his righteousness, aligned with who he is and his purpose for yourself in order to be successful. Okay, so last one, things. This one, when I discovered this, it literally blew my mind. Now, remember this passage in context, as we talked about last week, is the culmination of Jesus talking about not worrying about, you know, what you're going to eat or drink or, or what clothes you're going to wear because aren't even the lilies of the field arrayed more splendidly than that, than anything in Solomon's temple, right? You guys remember that? All those verses, if you read up to it. Now we get to this, and he says this word, things. And this is the Greek word, thesauros. And do you know where else that word appears in the Bible? It appears in the gospel story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it is the word that is used to describe the gifts the Magi brought to Jesus. Now, if that doesn't just pop something in your neurons, Jesus is saying, don't worry about food and clothing and drink. Seek first my kingdom. You'll have all those things. And he goes, but, and then he goes, and all these other things will be added to you. And the word is the word of the gifts that were brought to Jesus. In other words, the thing, they're not things that you need. They're just things that are going to bless you. He's saying, if you seek first the kingdom, not only will your needs be met, but I'll be able to bless you beyond imagination. That is mind blowing. But that's what the scripture is saying. See, we have so many English words that are boring. Thing. And all these things will be added unto you. Really? Could we not say more than things in English? How many know the Bible wasn't written in English? Right? You know, uh, that, that it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And then it's been translated in English. And okay, yeah, you can translate it things, but oh my goodness, it's richer than things. 
God is saying to you that if you'll seek me first in my kingdom, I'm going to take care and I'm going to be able to bless you with all the rest of this. I'm going to be able to, to increase uh, your, the favor on you. And, and if you see in the Old Testament when they got a hold of this, when they lived this and believed it, they were the envy of every nation around. And when they rejected God and his kingdom, they ended up being invaded and overtaken by every nation around. And I believe God's telling us the same thing. If we would, if we would seek first his kingdom, he'll take care of all those things, right, that he told us not to worry about, and he'll be able to bless us as well. Hallelujah. So what's our kingdom mandate? Here it is. Seek, determinedly strive after. First, give highest priority before anything else to the kingdom. That's your rulership, dominion, God's authority on the earth. And his righteousness, to be in personal alignment with him and his plan for us. And then all these things, treasure, wealth, more than just your needs can be added to you as well. That's what the passage is saying. Come on now. One person clapped. Tori, thank you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. This, this is the first thing's first principle. This first principle, you must get into your spirit. If you don't get into your spirit, then when you get into financially tough times, you're going to say, well, God just must just want me to be poor. Right? When you run into problems in your home and and you can't figure out how to deal with a, a kid that's giving you a hard time, you must say, well, I guess I just haven't got any ability to parent my child. When you're at work and you're always getting looked over for promotions, you must say, oh, well, it just must be my lot in life to be here. Wrong. I mean, it goes on and on and on. If you don't get this down as your first, first, first principle, then you're going to live way below who God called you to be. I, I, I expected a little bit more excitement in the house this morning. I got I to gotta be perfectly honest. I, I'm a little surprised. This, this is the nuts and bolts of your life. This is what God has ordained us to be. And there's so many scriptures. I can throw verse after verse after you. I mean, just read in in Deuteronomy. You're you're to be the head and not the tail. You're to be the lender, not the... Oh, but he didn't mean that literally. Yes, he did, actually. Yeah. But we've become so accustomed to living below our potential that we, we follow along in these worldly sequences and we do not access all that God has for us. You know, one of the things that, that Wayne taught me years ago about Jewish culture is you wonder, how do they prosper? How have, have such a small percentage of the world's population, I think the Jewish people of the world are less than 1% of the world's population, and, and yet they're like 50% of the Nobel Prize winners. They, they are some of the, the highest percentages of CEOs and CFOs and major corporations in the world. How does this happen from 1%? How? It's because... They live according to biblical principles, which are kingdom principles. Jesus came to restore the kingdom, right? To put it back the way he intended it to be. They've studied how he intended it to be in the first place, and they live according to it. So you say, well, how, what does that look like? So in, in many Jewish families, here's what they do. So when I'm looking to get my first mortgage, my first house, and they don't, you know, they realize a kid that's 21 years old or 22 doesn't, hasn't saved up enough to buy a house, right? So in the Jewish tradition, I would borrow it from my grandparents. 
because they're in their 70s and 80s and they've amassed great wealth and they're able to lend it to me. And then I make the payments back to my parents. My grandparents are able to sow it into me and I make payments back to my parents, interest-free, of course, to my parents. And my parents' wealth builds up because one day my parents are going to lend it to who? My kids. Do you see how this works in the kingdom? There are principles, if we get a hold of them, we would never be in lack in the kingdom of God. Never. But we don't even think this way because we have not taken literally that Jesus wants us to have dominion in this realm. But I believe a new day is coming where the church of Jesus Christ is going to rise up again and the church will be the one who's meeting needs in the community, who's, who's helping lead the way, teaching people about principles, about finances, about parenting, about everything. And people will come to you to say, how in the world did you do it? We're able to do it because we're kingdom people. We have kingdom principles. Amen? And the first principle is the principle of transcendence, of keeping the kingdom. The first thing, the most important thing, keeping it first. Hallelujah. So how do I live this out? I'm going to close with this this morning. How do I live out kingdom principles, the principle of transcendence? Well, first you need to determine what are the ultimate issues in life, right? What's most important? What are your, your core values that we talked about? And then you need to establish priorities around those values. So you can say, for example, my core value is that we as a family are together every night and have dinner together. But if you have your kids enrolled in 95 things and you're always going in 19 different directions, that's never going to happen. So you're making a decision that violates your core value. Are you saying our kids shouldn't play sports? Not saying that at all. I'm just saying you need to establish your values and then make decisions according to them. Amen? And then that requires then some strategic planning. You need to plan. You need to say to yourself, what are we going to do? Are we going to use daycare or is mom going to stay home? Or is dad going to stay home and mom goes out more? I don't know. Uh, whatever your situation is, but you've got to make decisions and then order your life according to them. Don't avoid these conversations. Dive into these conversations because they determine the outcome of your family. The idea of living a transcendent life is throughout scripture. Psalm 90 verse 12 says that the Bible says it teaches us to number our days. That's a transcendent principle. The idea that I'm not going to live forever. So I better think about what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that, I better plan according to my values and my principles. When Jesus asked what was the ultimate transcendent law in scripture, he said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? But love the Lord, your God, first of all. So he was giving a transcendent value there. He was teaching them, this is how to order your life. And he does it again in Matthew 6, 33. He says, order your life according to the kingdom, according to this principle of putting it first. And if you look at the world's best leaders, the biggest leaders, the people who accomplish the most, they're people, maybe not people who've got kingdom values per se. They may even be immoral people. But this first principle of recognizing in their life what they think the most important thing is, they put that first and everything else comes after. 
That's why you've got so many successful people, athletes, business people, whatever, and their marriages fall apart and their family life falls apart because the thing that they put first is their company or is their business, is their career. They put that first and everything else fell apart, right? But they're successful at what they do because they followed this principle, only they were misguided in where they should have put their priorities. But if we will put the priority on the kingdom, we will experience the fruits of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And there will be lots of things that want to chase the kingdom from being the priority in your life. Lots of distractions will come along. A lot of unnecessary things will come along and try to distract you from it. And I encourage you to, there's a good book by um, Stephen Covey. He wrote a book called The Seven uh, Habits of an effective life, I think it's what it's called. Highly effective life. And he talks about the quadrants of life, right? Four quadrants. Everybody know your four quadrants? And how everything that we experience, and he draws a graph, and I won't get into all the details of it, but, but he talks about how, you know, things are extremely important or extremely urgent, and he compares the two. And what ends up happening is we spend most of our life in the quadrant of things that are extremely important and also extremely urgent. They're important and urgent. And we say, yes, isn't that where our priority should be? And he says, no. It should be in the areas that are important but not urgent. That's where we should spend our focus, our energy. So in other words, you know, uh, urgent would be your child's in a car accident and it's important that you take care of your child and it's urgent because they're, they're in an accident. So you're going you're gonna to go there and that quadrant's going to go there and you're going to f- focus in on that to help your child in that time. But it's better if you spend your time where it's not urgent and important is that you teach them all kinds of good principles about driving, about how to be, you know, see, this is just one example. But you spend your time there, and then you don't have to spend your time on urgent matters. And the world's trying to distract us with urgent matters. The worst ones are urgent and unimportant. But, you know, I had a guy this week call me up, and and he was out of money, and he needed groceries and stuff, and, and he he called at like, you know, in the morning and I called him back and, and he wanted to know, well, when are you going to get it to me? And I, I finally stopped him after the third phone call because I told him I'd get to, to him today, but I just had a lot to do. And, uh, and I said to him, listen, just because you're feeling the crunch right now and it's an emergency to you doesn't mean it's an emergency for me. Pardon? I said, well, you could have called Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday when you saw your problem coming. And now that it's on you today and you don't have anything to eat is not my problem. I said, now I'm more than happy to help you. But it's not an emergency to me. It's only an emergency to you because you didn't deal with it before. And just because it's an emergency to you doesn't mean it's an emergency for me. Interesting, eh? Boy, you're a cold-hearted thing. No. I live my life according to principles. And my principles, I had other stuff to get done. I did that first. And then I went and helped him. Just because it's an urgency to him doesn't make it urgent for me. Are you hearing me this morning? And that's a principle for me in the kingdom. So I don't let other people dictate what's urgent for me. Oh, you guys are like, man, you're cold. You're just cold. No, I still met his need. And I taught him a principle at the same time. Next time you see the need coming, call three days earlier. And it gives us three days to respond to your need instead of three hours. Right? 
taught him a good principle. All right, I don't have time to go through all this other stuff. There is just so much about this principle. But when a church gets these principles down, when the church starts living according to kingdom, seeking first the kingdom of God and recognizing that then all these other things can be added as well, it changes how you do church. It changes how we do church. The things that don't matter are more easily brushed aside. The things that do matter get focused on with greater intensity and greater passion. We're able to define what is most important and keep that first and most important. We can change the world. But if we get distracted all the time by things that become emergencies for somebody else, we're going to be in a bad situation. So here, here's some questions we need to answer. What are some ways in which Jesus gave priority to the kingdom? So when you're studying the gospels, right? Everybody's reading the gospels right now, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So here's some questions as you're reading through the gospels to ask. What are some of the ways in which Jesus gave priority to the kingdom? All right. Secondly, identify some kingdom priorities that should be operating in your life. So as you go through the Gospels and you see the things that were important to Jesus, identify those things that should be important in my life. Then number three, ask yourself, how can I reorder my life according to these kingdom priorities? There's no point in saying they're kingdom priorities if, not, if you're not going to reorder your life according to them. Then number four, in what area of my life am I presently doing well aligning with kingdom priorities? So look at it and say, yeah, I've made, say, for example, being with God's people on Sunday is a kingdom priority for me, and I'm there, and I'm doing well at that. But maybe studying the word every day is a kingdom priority for me, and I'm not doing well at that. And so that's ask, what am I doing well? And celebrate it. Then ask yourself, finally, what are some areas of kingdom priority that are important to me that I'm not doing well? And step up to the plate and change it. All right? And I think that as we, we focus on living according to the kingdom principle of putting first things first. All these other principles are going to get easier for us to put into power in place in our life. But we have to get this down first. Am I a kingdom person? Is the kingdom of God the most important thing in my life? And I I think that if you're honest, most of you would probably say, I don't know that it really is. I mean, God's important, but I never really saw God's mandate or God's kingdom as being the first priority. And so I need, I need, I need help with that. I'm going to have to have help to realign myself according to the kingdom. If the kingdom is your first priority, then when pastor says we have a need here financially, it's not going to be a problem for you to want to give to it. It's a practical thing. If the kingdom is your priority, you're going to say, we need volunteers. I'll be there. If it's a kingdom priority, we look out in the city. We say there's a need. Uh, we're doing, like I said, we're doing this neighbor link, then I'll be there. If a kingdom is what is important to us, we'll order our family, our home, everything around the principles of the kingdom. That's what we'll do. Amen? Stanley, this morning, time has run out. It's 20, well, almost 22. Thank you, Mark. You just reminded me, this, this coming weekend is a big weekend. Everybody say, big Big weekend. We have uh, Ken Gill here Saturday morning at uh, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock? 8? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. We have men's breakfast here. Ken Gill's going to be speaking at it. Then next Saturday at prayer at 6, 
Ken's going to be with us for prayer. And if you haven't come to a prayer on Saturday night and, and you know, called on God for the church and for his kingdom and for his people, uh, Ken's going to come and he's going he's gonna to pray with us. He's going to lead us in prayer. He's going to teach us some things about prayer. It's going to be an awesome night together on Saturday night. Then he's going to be speaking here on Sunday. And uh, we don't want you to miss out on it. So, you know, for those who are watching online, I know online's good. And we introduced it because we know a lot of people want to check us out before they come and see us in person. And that's all good. But it's no substitute for being here in person. So if you're not on holidays, if you didn't book it out and you're not in, you know, Nova Scotia or Greenland or some other place, then, then be here. We, we want to see you here because we want to celebrate with you in person. Amen? We want to have you here with us. Praise the Lord. Let's close. Father, we just thank you so much for the kingdom of God has come. Jesus Christ has come and he is establishing his kingdom here on earth and he's doing it through the kingdom authority that he was received from the Father and has given to us. Jesus said, all authority I've received from the Father and I give it unto you. So Father, we take that transference of authority from our our master Jesus and we recognize that God, you've given us a call to carry on the work that Jesus began when he came to this earth. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that God, you have called us by name. You've identified us as your sons and daughters. And that, Father, as a result of that, we are a, a royal priesthood, a holy family. We are a, a peculiar people. And Father, we have been called by you in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the keys to the kingdom. And Lord, we take them today and we exercise that authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.